All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. Happy Monday, everyone. So today we got a full episode. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about uh, capitalism, capital markets, credits, debts, and also credit reports and how to build up credit. So let's dive on in. Well, happy Monday. Kimberly and I, we had a, we had a weekend, didn't we? It was a long we? weekend. Yeah. <laughs> in the bad sense. Not the long weekend as in an extra day off or anything like that. It wasn't a day off. <laughs> no, no. As you know, we've been trying to uh, buy some stuff from Ikea, and we were finally able to do that. It, <laughs> whoa. I know, they finally opened, so we went and we bought a dresser, two nightstands, which they take a long time to put together, <laughs> and did a bunch of home improvement, but for those of you who are uh, looking to buy stuff from Ikea, they're finally opened their stores, you do have to wait in line outside. I was but... in a line for like 40 minutes outside before I even got in the building, uh, just to wait in another line. <laughs> lots of furniture, it was kind of a crazy weekend. Not gonna lie though. Good stuff. Like we were blown away. We were actually surprised by how many good options IKEA had. So it was it was worth it because we saved money ultimately. So let's go ahead and jump into the news for you section, everybody. So we actually uh, were learning a little bit about uh, federal student loans, and we actually saw an interesting article that we thought was worthy of mention to everybody. And that is Forbes actually reported this. Um, this was a report that came out a few days ago. But the right now, federal student loans are at an all-time low, which is really interesting. So most, as you, if you've been watching the markets recently, a lot of in, the Federal Reserve has slashed interest rates, which is very good for us if you're taking a loan or if you're refinancing or getting student loans now. So through July 1st through 20, uh, so of this year, July 1st through June 30th of 2021, interest rates for federal student loans are going to be 2.75% for undergraduate Stanford loans, and then 4.3% for graduate Stanford loans, and 5.3% for federal plus loans. So definitely go talk with a consultant. We are not financial advisors or anything like that. Talk with consultants, tax advisors to, to see what's best for you. But uh, this is just something to look out for. Now, unfortunately, these uh, loans, you cannot refinance federal student loans, sadly enough. So if you already had student loans and you're thinking, oh, maybe I can refinance, go to those previous interest rates, you can't. With federal student loans, you're unable to do so. Now, you might be able to if you have a private student loan. If you got a private student loan, which means you got a student loan through some other uh, financial institution other than uh, the federal aid or whatever program it's called, then uh, uh, you might be able to do it in that regard. But just know with, federal, uh, with uh, student private student loans, typically they have higher interest rates than the federal anyway. So just double check those and see what you, uh, what you get to offer. Anyway, so that's basically the news for you in this particular section. Uh, if you have any questions on that, feel free to reach out and we'll talk about it on an episode. So now we'll take a quick break before we get into our really... Uh, big material today, but we want to talk about movies we watched this weekend. Ooh. So we watched some awesome movies. We watched uh, Terminator and Terminator 2. We did a back-to-back. -back. Kimberly's never seen them before. Yeah, I'd never seen them, and they had actually free rental. Quick tip on Amazon Prime, uh, Terminator 2 was like a free 48-hour rental. 
Yeah, so we were able to get the free rental for that one, and we finally saw them, or I finally saw them, the classic movies. They're really good, very different than I expected it to be. It's funny because uh, instead of seeing a bunch of new movies, because we don't have much new movies coming out right now, <laughs> <laughs> we're just watching a bunch of these old All ones. All these old ones. But, you know, a few years ago, I watched a Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I loved it. <laughs> it was good. It was so good. It was kind of a crazy movie. And I also liked Terminator. I thought it was really good. So I like the first one better than the second one. Terminator? Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it... I, I like them both, but I thought the first one was really good. See, and I like Terminator 2 better than Terminator <laughs> 1, but I love Terminator 1. The only thing... They actually hold up pretty well, but one thing that does not hold up is the music. <laughs> Yeah, the music is very 80s, 90s, like techno. Synthesizers. So I have a chase scene, and it's like all dramatic, and then it has this little synthesizer <laughs> background. <laughs> <laughs> kind of kills the mood a little bit. A little bit. It's. I think our music uh, preferences have definitely gotten better over the years when it comes to cinema. So. It's so true. <laughs> So uh, last week, we had a, a lot of really good topics. We talked about 401k loans. We talked a lot about finances as couples, um, making sure that you're both involved and some tips to help there. And then we also had our first Friday Friends episode. So if you haven't seen that yet, or I mean, listened to it yet, you'll want to check that out. We talked to our friend McLean Taylor a lot about limiting beliefs, paradigm shifts, and communication, um, which really help with finances and kind of pair with the topic we were talking about on Wednesday with managing your finances as a couple. And this Friday, we have an awesome uh, Friday friends for you. It's my sister, Allie Matheson, and she, we call her the deal darling. She's a queen of finding good deals. So we're super excited for that episode. Be sure to catch that one. And today, this week, we have an awesome topic I am super excited about. So I had a friend uh, write in who's a listener and she had a great question. She was talking about how her daughter is going off to college and she's asking about kind of balancing debt and credit. So, you know, should I get my daughter a credit card or add her on my credit card? And I want her to build credit, but obviously don't want to grow into debt. Sometimes that's a tricky tightrope. And they're really important topics with a lot of information out there. Um, and especially if you're, you know, have a child just going to college or you yourself are just starting out, maybe just graduated college or just leaving the nest. Uh, maybe you're just getting married and you're kind of starting out. There's a lot of really important considerations. So we want to talk a bit about that today and help answer those questions. Now, we were thinking about how to approach this question because we could just give out the straight up answer for sure. And we're going to. We're going to talk about some strategies at the end of this episode here. But in order to explain this item, we need to go back a little bit. We need to uh, go back in time a little bit and understand capitalism and capital markets first. Now, the reason why is because we were actually planning on discussing this very thing, credit cards in later episodes, and we wanted to talk about this topic first. So this was a perfect opportunity for us to jump on in on this. So let's go ahead and actually discuss a very important topic, which is capitalism. Now, most people know that we're in a capitalistic society, but they don't even know what capitalism is. So some people hear that it's bad. Some people hear that it's good or amazing or whatever. So we're not going to take a stance on it, but we are going to tell you what the system works like, what it is. So that way you can actually understand it. So capitalism is the economic system that we use here in the United States. And now most of the world actually, to some degree, also uses a form of it. And this and capitalism allows you to have private ownership of capital and, and means of production. We'll explain what that means here in just a minute. 
So there are many types of capitalism, but uh, there, here's the general idea. You get to own your own stuff rather than having public ownership of things. Public ownership means basically like government or communal community ownership. That's what we mean when we say public. So not like a public company or anything like that. It's just communal ownership. So rather than you owning a private or your own property, it'd be the property of the community or that sort of deal. So you have the ability to gain private property, capital accumulation, and capital accumulation is like interest, investing, profits. You can gain money, basically. Uh, you can also get, uh, you have access to competitive markets. So like, let's say Apple and Samsung, they both produce smartphones, really good ones at that. Well, that's capitalism because now you have these two companies competing with each other. That can drive down costs if done correctly, which, you know, the more competition there is out there, the better for the consumer. Uh, also, when it comes to capitalism, you can own your own business because of capitalism. So in other types of systems like communism or even some aspects of social socialism, it would be more of uh, government owning the means of production, that kind of thing. So what does means of production mean? Well, means of production basically is stating that a business can own their own assets to produce products. So I can start up a business. I own the business, not the government. That's capitalism. So the idea is individual in this case. You can build up your own capital and wealth rather than communal ownership. So of course there can be longer definitions that go way deeper, but that's just bare bones basic of what capitalism is. So what is capital then? Because a lot of people hear this term capitalism and they're like, well, what's capital? <laughs> that's kind of a good thing to know, right? So capital is actually the good that you accumulate. So it's a accumulation of goods, money, or even access to goods devoted to the uh, production of other goods. So this is where uh, this is where banking comes in, for example. Before capitalism and other uh, markets, and there's there were some aspects of debt and that kind of stuff beforehand, but it was just it exponentially grew when it came to the introduction of capitalism into multiple, multiple societies. Well, this is where you can actually gain money and use that money to accumulate other goods and also other wealth. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So our goal is to gain as much capital as we can and live comfortably, right? Like a home. So if you get money, that could be capital. If you get a home, that could be capital. Your car could be capital. So, Capitalism can be a wonderful and great tool. So capitalism brought up most of the world out of poverty, for example, in the shortest amount of time than any other system in history. So here's some actual data, because some people have the wrong idea with capitalism, and we just want to make sure that you have a good scope of it. So people living in extreme poverty worldwide declined by 80% from the 1970s to 2006. That's because of globalization and an access to capital markets. So capitalism done right can actually really help the world and benefit a lot of people. Uh, here's another stat. Around the mid-1980s, so no, excuse me, 1880s, 94% of the world's population was in poverty. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> 94%. Now it's less than 17%. That's because of globalization and access to capital. It is bringing nations out of subject pro poverty because access to multiple markets, access to wealth and cash. Now, uh, let's see, in the 1980s, it was actually 50%. So not long ago, it was just 50% that the world was in, uh, in, uh, in poverty. So just in the last few decades alone, 
uh, we were able to uh, we were able to achieve those incredible incredible numbers. So here's the thing though, because there are a lot of critiques with capitalism, and a lot of them are very valid, and that's there's items that are true, but we're not going to focus on those today. But there is one that I do want to focus on, so that is relevant to our conversation. Capitalism can be great, but and this is a big but. If you don't know the system, you can get screwed by it. That is very relevant, especially by those who know it better than you. If there's other people that know the system better than you, they can take advantage of you and what you don't know. And basically you're now paying a loan for the rest of your life, for example, and you can't really gain your own wealth because now you're paying somebody else because you borrowed their money or something like that. And there's a lot of, um, there, there can be a lot of things like that that go on that you need to be careful about. So this is why we started this podcast, actually, and uh, this whole business, Homemade Ops, to help inform you to understand the system that we're in, this capitalistic society, so you don't get screwed. The more knowledge you have, the more you can act upon that knowledge and not get hurt in the long run. So let's talk about one way to avoid getting screwed by the system. Let's talk about debt and credit. So... Debt and credit. Credit and debt is actually a really powerful tool that we have access to in uh, capitalism. It allows you to get access to capital using money that is not yours. This is one of the reasons why we were able to get most of the world out of uh, crazy poverty was because of this borrowing issue. Microloans, loans, um, poverty loans, all sorts of stuff. But here's the thing. When it comes to uh, debt and credit, credit is basically the ability to take out money today and you'll repay it tomorrow. That is the idea of what credit is, having that particular access. Credit's more like having the ability to take debt. Exactly. So for example, if I have a line of credit that's $1,000, I can take up to $1,000 in debt. It's like the potential to take debt. Then when you actually borrow the money, that's debt. Exactly. So debt will be the amount that you owe, right? But your credit is the availability to do it. So, but if you, so it's really cool because you can get that access and build your capital. For example, like your home, you take out a loan to get a mortgage. You can't afford that off the bat unless you save up for years and years. But if you go to the bank today, you can say, hey, I need a home today to live in. Uh, I want to live in this particular home. Will you please give me some of your capital? So you're borrowing the bank's capital and they say, sure you can, but you got to pay some money for it. Because I'm letting you borrow my money, I can't use this money, you're using it. So I will let you use it, but you have to pay me back over a period of time. And that's what interest is. So you're going to be paying back a particular loan for a particular point in time so you can accumulate your own capital. Really cool. And this is how you're able to get out of poverty, is using these types of systems. Now you got to be careful though, because getting into debt, this is where... It's very important where you can get screwed because some people in society think, oh, I can, oh, I can take out a loan, then accumulate any capital that I want. <laughs> like we've talked about before, anyone can buy anything nowadays. Mm -hmm. You see all the ads, you know, buy this car, 0% down, no payments for 60 months, you know, and it's, <sighs> it's kind of insane. And so the problem with debt is that people will take out more debt than they can afford, mm -hmm. and then you get underwater, and then it's almost like you become a slave to that debt. You have maybe a massive student loan that you're paying off for 40 years, and you've paid, you know, a billion times the actual amount of the debt borrowed by the time you pay it off, and you become overwhelmed by the payments, and you just can't get ahead. That's when it becomes a problem. Exactly. So debt can be a very valuable tool, or it can be your end. 
because it's debt. A lot of, sadly enough, people have committed suicide over debt and it's, it can be so not knowing how to control it. And this is why we're getting into that discussion with credit cards, (laughs) not knowing how to control it can be, it could be so detrimental to your health, to relationships and to other things. In fact, there are people like Dave Ramsey that say never take out debt at all. And that might not be a bad approach for you. It depends on you, your knowledge base, and also your control level. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But first, let's take a look at some debt statistics, okay? So the Federal Reserve has reported that personal debt per citizen, so that means all of the debt that Americans have, if you divide that by how many citizens we have, $62,000 per person. That's disgusting. Like that is a lot of debt. So that's a lot of debt that people have and have accumulated. Now, even in different states, for example, there's actually something called the debt to income ratio. And what this is, is basically it's taking how much uh, debt you have over. So if you're doing the equation, you have your numerator, you have your denominator. So if you have in your numerator, you have uh, how much debt you have accumulated and you divide that by how much money you're making. That's what this number is here. And so you want to have that number as low as possible because otherwise you're going to be paying most of your income towards debt for many, many years. So in two, so 2018 numbers, Utah is 1.637. All right. California is 1.6. Arizona is 1.7. Texas is 1.1. They're actually doing pretty good for the most part. New York is 0.95. That's surprising. (laughs) It's a little bit random. I think it's because there's a lot of really wealthy people. Plus, that's the amount of debt they've taken out. I think a lot of people rent and don't have a lot of like mortgage debt. Exactly. I would guess. I have no idea. But I think you're right, too. A lot of people that um, own actual property in New York probably are very wealthy And because of that, they have more money than they actually are spending on for loans, that sort of thing. So just know that it is a problem. Most people, like there's a lot of different people. So debt can be a major problem. And right now in the United States, most people don't know the system. And that's why a lot of people are complaining recently by getting screwed over uh, by different companies and that sort of thing. Especially they feel that way with student loans or, you know, potentially mortgages, things where they feel like they took out all this debt and then they're not getting a job that they can afford those loans. So easy to get underwater. So here's the big problem with debt. So people think that debt is going to, uh, it's kind of a short term thing, not debt, debt can be long term, but the feeling that they have, it's, oh, I want that fancy, nice new car. I can't afford it right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take out a loan on it, but now you're paying $600 a month on that Camaro or whatever you got. (laughs) And that's what traps you. So there are people like Dave Ramsey and other financial people that just say, don't do debt. Get out of debt as fast as possible. And I typically agree with that. Get out of debt as fast as possible. Sometimes with cases like mortgage, for example, you do have to take out uh, mortgages because that's a little, it's a little tougher because it's not like everyone has, I don't know, 300 grand lying around to purchase (laughs) a home. So in that case, uh, a debt makes sense. But you should not, you should not consider debt um, a means to something that you want, right? You should not use debt sparing or excuse me. You should use debt sparingly, very sparingly. Never take debt. If you don't have to save up for it, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. We had an episode on this. You don't have to go into debt for all this fancy stuff. 
buy what you can afford and then save and invest as much money as you possibly can and then you will beat the system and become wealthy by saving up your own money. Reason why we bring that up is because if you're doing debt, if you're paying these payments over time, let's say it's $600 for that car loan, well that's $600 a month that could be going towards an investment. And that 600 bucks, that's gone. So let's that's actually a lot of money. That's over six grand a year. So that's six, that's more than what you can contribute to a Roth IRA right now. And that Roth IRA would help you grow your, uh, grow your money to retirement and also would be tax-free. Don't get that with a car payment. So sometimes it's worth the sacrifice to not take the loan and then uh, save up for the actual item. So here's the moral of the story. Take debt as little as you possibly can, okay? So now with this background, now that you understand what debt and credit is, now that you understand some debt statistics that too many Americans are now stuck in this debt trap, let's talk about what a credit score is and some credit cards because this is the heart of the conversation that we wanted to have today. So we're talking a lot about how there are there's a lot of risk and there can be a lot of problems with debt. However, a lot of people understand, and it's true, that you need a little bit of debt to build up a credit score. And it is important to have a good credit score if you're wanting to buy things like a mortgage someday. You'll need to have a credit score to get a mortgage. So it is important to build up some level of credit. Now, obviously, you don't want to say, oh, great, that means I can take out three car loans and I can get seven credit cards and do all this. But it's important, you know, to have... Uh, you know, a line of credit um, or a credit card or potentially a student loan or car loan or something like that to build up a little bit of credit where it's appropriate, like we talked about before, where you can afford payments and where you're buying something that you actually need or is useful in your life, not just a want. So let's talk a little bit about what a credit score ha is. So there are three credit union, credit bureaus, um, and these are, they're kind of quasi-government entities, right? Where it's like, they're not technically a government entity, but they have a lot of regulation. They work um, hand in hand. With yeah, them, they work hand in hand. That's similar to the post office, actually. Kind of fun fact. Sort of a normal business, but also works with the government. Yeah, and so the three are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And they all have a little bit different way to calculate your credit score. Um, and so you can get, you'll have a credit score with each one, and it'll be similar, but it might vary a little bit. But all that score is saying is, how credit worthy are you? Um, do you pay back your loans on time? Um, do you take more debt than you can afford? Um, like it looks like that debt to income. You have massive amount of debt with not a lot of income. And they can be a little bit tricky with how your credit score is calculated. That'll be for another episode. Um, we have a lot of different little rules. But you can't have a credit score without having credit. So let's talk about ways where you can build your credit. So here's kind of a list right here. Um, we have to open a credit card account, uh, get a secured credit card, um, become an authorized user on someone else's credit card or have a joint account, paying your student loans on time, taking out an auto loan, or maybe asking a landlord to report positive payments. So let's break down a couple of those. Those are all areas where you are meeting your obligations and anyone who's lending you money is going to report that to the credit bureaus, and that will reflect positively on your score. So let's talk about a few related to the question that our listener had. Um, the first one is opening a credit card account or a secured credit card or becoming a joint account or an authorized user on someone else's. Those all involve credit cards. So remember what a credit card is. It's basically a loan. 
just like a mortgage, just like anything else. What you're doing is you're saying, hey company, whoever I have this credit card for, I'm gonna borrow your money to make a particular purchase. And they're gonna say, okay, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. So you're gonna borrow their money, but here's the little kicker. They say, haha, but after 30 days, if you don't pay my back, or usually it's 30 days, usually a month. If you don't pay me back within this certain time frame, I'm gonna charge you because you're using my money that I can be using somewhere else. And basically every credit card is gonna charge you an arm and a leg. Oh yeah. Like average would be, I would think like 18 to 30% or something, just kind of off the top of my head. Really, really high interest rates. It's in my mind never worth- Never worth it. Getting a balance on a credit card. So that means if you took out, if you bought something for $100, 18%, you're paying $18 to borrow that money. That's a lot. So pay it off. <laughs> yeah. So really, if you think about it, like Todd said, I go to the grocery store, instead of giving them $80 of cash, I put it on my credit card and I pay that later. I pay it later this week or later in the month. So there's different types of credit card. And th this is pretty much, I would think, kind of the fastest and easiest way to build credit. Because if you get a credit card, you buy things on it and you pay it off, you start building up a good credit history without taking on like a mortgage or a student loan or an auto loan, which can be a little more intense. So it's giving you access to capital. Remember this whole system of capital markets and everything. Uh, we have all these institutions now that are allowing you to borrow money so you can either build your capital or spend your money away, <laughs> not build your capital because you want to buy like some sort of burger or something like that. So this is where you have to be careful. You have to be careful because you do... You want to build credit. Some, pe some people hate the idea of credit. Some people love it. Some people are against it. It depends who you talk to, but other people actually view it as a valuable tool. So a credit card can be very nice, but you have to be in control. So then the question is, well, how do I build all this credit though? Because you can't get a credit card without credit. You can't, uh, you can't get a mortgage without credit. Sometimes you can in some ways, but uh, for the most part, it's, it's more easier. Difficult. It's way, it's more difficult. It is easier to have a credit score so lenders can look at it and say, hey, are you going to pay me back basically? So let's talk about those three different types of credit cards in the context of somebody who's just starting out as well. So there's just a regular credit card. Um, there are a million different credit cards out there. You probably get junk mail all the time. Sign up for this credit card, do this. Um, and that would be, you know, any kind. And there's all kinds of credit cards. You can get one from your bank where you go. You can also get one from a different bank somewhere else. And there's specific credit card companies like American Express where they pretty much just do credit cards. They do a few other things, but that's mainly what they're known for. There's also stores will have credit cards. You can get a Macy's credit card. You can get pretty much a credit card from anybody. All these people are just trying to get you credit because they're trying to incentivize you to buy things on their line of credit so they can earn money. And remember, there's a couple ways, side note, where credit card companies earn money. Number one, they earn it from you if you don't pay your balance and you earn interest. But also, um, if you have a credit card and you never pay interest on it, you think, okay, they're loaning me this money for free. Every transaction that you pay on that, the company, the businesses pay transaction fees. So they also make money on the business end. So Credit card companies, it's pretty lucrative, um, and they want you to spend as much as you can on it. So that's just a regular old credit card, kind of plain vanilla. So the problem with credit cards, though, is if you don't have credit, you can't get it. So we're going to look at some other ways that you can build credit without having a, a normal, typical credit card. 
So the next kind is called a secured credit card, which is a really interesting option because it's just a regular credit card. However, it's tied to your savings or checking account. And it's basically saying, yes, you can borrow as much as you have cash to back it. So if I have $3,000 in a savings account, that means I can only put $3,000 on that card, or maybe even less. Depending on where you get a secure credit card, they might have limits that say, okay, you can only use on your credit card about half as much as in your savings. So then you can only do $1,500. These are really interesting and great option because they allow you to build credit, to have a credit card without going above your limit. So then you don't go out and spend $10,000 on your credit card that you don't have. It makes sure, it kind of forces you to ensure that you have that cash to back it up. And they're easier to get, typically. Because they have that backing, it's kind of like an insurance for the credit card company. So they're like, okay, well, because we have limits on here, will they give them out more freely than they would a regular credit card. So if you're just starting out, this could be a really great option because it gets you to start building credit and without having that risk. Then you could also open a joint account with someone or become an authorized user on someone else's credit card. So in the context of you know, a kid going off to college, should I add him as an authorized user? This is an option where the kid will still build credit which is good, but remember that you are on the hook for that balance or you know whoever's on that card. So if you have a child and their parent and you add them as an authorized user, and if the kid, if you want them to pay the balance, for example, if they go put a $5,000 charge on there, you're on the hook for that too. Mm-hmm. And so that affects you and affects your credit and you're responsible for paying that, not just them. So it kind of has the least amount of responsibility, I would think, on that because you're jointly responsible for that balance. So with this one, Kimberly and I aren't a huge fan of this one. Uh, reason, maybe as a married couple, sure. As a married couple. Yeah, because you're both using the same finance pool. Exactly. But when it comes to a student or your kid, we're, it, it is a good way to build credit, yes. But the problem, the reason why we are not huge fans of it is because of the risk. Be Let's say you have great credit, but your kid decides to go spend on a weekend holiday. They go buy the booze at that frat party <laughs> and they don't pay that off in time and you're not watching the finance your credit could be dinged. So looking at these three options, I think the main theme is responsibility. How much do you trust your child? Or if you're just starting out, how do you trust yourself? Um, And they're all different levels. So with the joint user, the authorized user, you may think, oh, that's a little bit safer because I see the transactions. However, they don't have that responsibility so much as seeing. So maybe they're building credit, but in my mind, they're not building the money management skills. It's a little bit more like an allowance. Mm. So you may say, okay, you can spend $1,000 a month on your you know, rent and groceries and whatever, and they just do that. It's kind of like having an allowance. They don't really understand the idea. So they're building a credit score without really practicing using credit responsibly. So it's not, you know, it's, it's still an option, and I don't think it's a bad option. If maybe you want to have more visibility and treat it more like an allowance. But if you're trying to grow your credit and you're trying to become more financially responsible, um, if you open your own secured credit card or just regular credit card, um, it teaches you really good responsibility skills because all of a sudden that's your line of credit and you better pay it back all the time, you know, on time or else you're going to have some very, very painful charges come through. So it, it is a little bit more 
risky in that sense where they have to be more responsible for it. But not only are you getting credit, you're also learning the life skills because you may be getting a credit score, but you're not learning the credit management techniques with it. Yeah. No, that makes that makes 100% sense. And I agree with Kimberly on that one. So again, it's a good option. You can do it, but you, number one, should really trust the kid. Like the, and the kid needs to be really responsible. Otherwise, your credit can be dinged. And uh, so just keep that in mind. It is an option. It might be an easier way to get them a credit card if they've never had one before. But just know that you're on the hook just as much as them. So let's talk about this in the context again, kind of our thoughts on someone just starting out, um, what it would, what a good recommendation is. So I, some tips that I would have to recommend is having everything all in one bank. So I would get a checking, a savings, and a credit card. Probably a secured credit card is a really good option because it teaches you the responsibility, but it has a safety net. Right. So it allows you to you know, not given to that temptation. You still learn the responsibility of using a credit card without having as much risk, which is great. You're not going to see them all of a sudden go out and rack up $100,000 or debt or something <laughs> crazy um, or even $10,000 in debt. And then they're calling you going, oh my gosh, I totally screwed up. Adds a little more protection, but teaches them the management skills. And then I really think it's important to have it all in one bank. And I really like that because number one, um, it's easier to learn when you're starting out because you're only going to one place. You're not managing a million things. You don't forget to pay it off because you're, you know, you can teach them very simply every single week. You pick a day of the week where you're going to go online. You're going to look at your checking, your savings, and your credit card balance, and you're going to pay off your credit card. It's very important to pay it off every week. So in our mind, we we like the weekly payoff because then you don't accidentally miss a payment. You're not a day late because you know, usually paid off at the end of the month, but you forgot because it was a Saturday and, you know, you're a day late there. So it's great to have in one place. Not only that, you can see your checking and savings account balance to know how much you can put on your credit card. So say you have a $500 on your credit, $500 balance on your credit card, then you're looking at your checking and savings and maybe you only have $300 total. You're like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Uh -oh. It allows you to say, <laughs> okay, or maybe you're thinking, what is my budget or my spending for the week? It allows you to say, okay, well, I've got X amount of dollars in my checking account. That's how much you can save. And it allows you to think of your credit card like a debit card. It allows you to think of it like cash, which is really how you want to spend it. It's a lot of you say, okay, I know how much money I actually have, and I'm just using this credit card as a convenient tool to pay, and I'm treating it like I'm not going to put more money on than cash. So no. unlike one a crucial distinction, though, with the, the credit card, the secured credit card versus a debit card, debit card, you're paying with money that you have in your account. With a secured credit card, you're still taking a loan. It's just you can't take more than what you have in your account, so you still will be paying interest on that if you go over that month. And then you just have to pay it back with your balance in your bank account. So just keep that in mind. It's kind of like riding a bike with training wheels, right? You're still riding the bike and they're just there kind of as a little bit of a safety net. So it's a really great option. Um, so with, of course, having everything in one place with the checking, savings, and credit card, you can do a secured card. I think most banks will have those. Um, but it still teaches that responsibility where they need to go in every week. They need to review what they have, and then they get used to managing your credit card, and they get used to understanding that this is something that I'm responsible for, that I need to manage and say, this is my budget for the month. This is I cannot go over that. And they understand that. A credit card is not to be used as a piggy bank 
with each, you know, a bottomless piggy bank where I could put whatever I want. It's just a nice convenient tool for me to build up my credit and to pay for things, but I treat it where I only spend as much cash as I actually have to back that up. So that's a really great option is having them all kind of in one place. Another tip that we have is to not use like a fancy shopping or store card. Definitely. Mm-hmm. As your first credit card. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's fine to get now. Like we really, you know, we'll use, for example, the Amazon card because you get 5% back on Prime, which is great. Or like Costco or yeah, something like Yeah, if that. you go to Costco a lot or any kind, of, any kind of other card like that. But when you're just getting started, um, usually they have all these incentives. Try and get this fancy card. But it's usually have a totally separate login to pay there. Um, it's not a great... It's not great to have that separated from your cash because it doesn't teach that really important connection. And so, not it's, on- so it's easy to forget because let's say you're a college student, you're going to be busy. So sometimes you'll forget to check your accounts if they're on separate pages, going back to Kimberly's first point. So that's why we generally don't recommend using any of these shopping cards, Delta cards, airline cards, whatever it is, as your first credit card. Because... Two main reasons. They're separate accounts, which can cause confusion, like Kimberly was saying, and also because it encourages spending. If you get an Amazon or a Costco card, it's saying, hey, spend more money so you can get more points. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the whole credit card's goal. Yeah, it encourages you to really push and say, oh, buy more, and they'll send you a lot of advertising. Buy this. If you come to Costco this weekend, you can get $100 <laughs> back on your grill, your new grill. You know, they, It really pushes you to spend more, and it also pushes you to get more cards because then you're getting all these mailers thinking, oh, well, I, you know, I could be having all these great rewards if I just got this one mm-hmm. store card. So generally not a very good, uh, not a good option for your first credit card. Now, if you're older and you're shopping a lot because you're buying groceries, then it might make sense. But just remember, these credit cards are designed to incentivize you to spend. And that's what we're trying to eliminate right now. Eliminate your spending, keep the difference, and save that difference. Okay, and then the last tip, sort of what we'd like to say with a new starting out with credit cards where you're able to build your credit but do it in a safe way are some healthy habits, which number one I really like is, as I mentioned before, paying off weekly. We've always done that with our cards because then you don't have an issue remembering, oh, what day of the month is it? Trying to remember to do something monthly is a lot harder than doing it weekly because then too you're thinking, oh, by the last day of the month, maybe it's a Friday night and you forgot to pay off your credit card and you're freaking out because the next day you're getting an interest payment. They're very strict on payoffs. If you don't pay it off exactly by the date, you're going to get dinged with interest. Um, And so it also allows you to get in a great routine. And it also allows you to not rack up a balance because it's really hard to remember what you spent on the first of the month Mm -hmm. by the time you get to the end of the month. So you want to make sure that you're looking every week at your financial situation like we've even talked about in other episodes, having your weekly planning meeting. And this sets the base for that where you say, okay, maybe I spent a little more last week because I needed to get extra groceries for something. I'm going to cut back a little bit this week. And you're paying it off every week so you never even have to dream about interest. You know it's paid off every week. You could also set up auto payments. Um, that's a great way to, to do it to make sure this thing is going to get paid off and I'm not going to incur interest because I accidentally forgot to pay it off. But if you do that, you want to still be sure you're looking at it because it's easy to just use, swipe that card, rack up a bunch of stuff, and all of a sudden you get an auto payment that defaults because you don't have enough cash. So even if you do set up auto payments, that's okay, but you still need to be checking weekly your spending and making sure you have the cash to back that up. So very good points there. And another little tip for you as well. For your first credit card, make sure you set a low credit card limit. 
Okay. So I would not like mine when I, when I got my first one, it was $500. And so that at the time that sounded like a lot of money, but that can go fast, especially if you're making gas payments, groceries and that sort of stuff. It can go quickly. You don't want that temptation there. Exactly. So if you have that, if you have a low credit card limit, that will help you. And also it will force you to pay that off weekly too. If you have more expenditures that come into play. So here's the question though. What if you don't have a credit card? And let's say you can't get one because you don't have credit scores. What are some additional ways you can actually build up credit? Because here's another, so here's alternative solutions that you can do to build up your credit score other than using a credit card. Uh, the first one is if you take out a student loan, those are usually easier to get because if, if you don't have to do a student loan, don't do it. <laughs> if you can get, uh, if you can get, uh, scholarships, grants, yeah, scholarships, pay grants, cash, <laughs> paying ca all of that stuff. That would be the ideal option, right? Because then you're not paying somebody else money to use their money. However, if you have to, uh, student loans, if you pay them on time, please pay these on time. If you miss one payment, credit cards or anything else, your credit will be deemed for the most part. So don't miss a payment. But if you pay off your student loans, your credit will increase. You also can do it by taking out an auto loan. Auto loans are usually easier to get sometimes. Uh, so if you get an auto loan, that's going to help you out. Then you can build up loan that way. And just like with credit cards, you can actually get a co-signer with a particular auto loan that will help you build credit that way too. But again, just remember the co-signer's on the hook as well. So you have to really trust the person and make sure you're uh, that they're checking it all the time so you don't... Uh, run into issues there. But at least it's more predictable than a credit card because you have the same monthly payment every single month, a little bit easier to maintain. I like it better than the credit card ones, but still there's risk involved. The other one that I actually learned about recently that's pretty cool is typically if you are uh, paying rent, if you're paying rent, uh, typically that does not get reported on uh, to the credit bureaus, the three that Kimberly talked about earlier. However, if you don't pay it, then it can ding your credit because then they'll report that you're defaulting on certain payments and you get in trouble. However, recently, some of the bureaus are now accepting if landlords will uh, submit uh, the, uh, their actual payments if they're on time and that can help your credit. Now, not every landlord will do this, but if you go over to your landlord, you can say, hey, I've been making my payments all the time. Could you report this to the credit bureaus so they can see that I am actually paying things on time and that way my credit should go up. A lot of uh, landlords now are going to are actually doing this and that's another way that's very safe to increase your credit. So we want to thank our listener for writing in an awesome question. We feel like this topic of how do I build credit and take debt without have, getting myself into a hole when I'm just starting out is a really good question because there's a lot of people who are just you know, taking their first steps and we want to be able to help you as much as we can. So if you, anybody else has any other questions they'd love to have answered, we love getting user feedback. So let us know your thoughts and let us know if this episode was helpful. And if you have any further questions about different types of credit you can get or understanding your credit score, and we'd love to be able to help. So in review, if you're just starting out, here are some great tips. It's important to build credit, but to do it responsibly. So you can open a credit card account. We prefer having a secured credit card where you can have it all in one bank with your checking, savings, and secured credit card all in one place and paying that off 
weekly. So you can learn the responsibility of that with having a little bit of protection on the backside. You could also, if you have student loans, be sure to pay those on time. Same with an auto loan. If you really need to take a student or an auto loan, you can take those and you can pay them off responsibly. And you can also ask your landlord to report positive payments to your credit bureaus. These are all great ways to responsibly build credit and also learn how to manage your money and manage financial systems without getting yourself into any problems. So thank you to our awesome listener who gave us an, a great question that we feel will hopefully help um, those of you who are just starting out, who are trying to uh, begin a new, a new financial journey. And so we hope that these tips helped you today. And if you have any other questions about this topic or any other topics, we love, love having listener feedback. All right, everyone. Uh, once again, thank you so much. Remember the main goal of our conversation. Try not to get into debt. Try not to pay other people for your actual expenditures. What we mean by that is by taking out a loan. If you're going to be paying interest payments, now you're paying other people for using their money. You don't want that. You want to avoid that at all costs. Now, if you have to, uh, Kimberly gave some great tips there, some, some of our recommendations when it comes to building credit and using those credit cards. We all live in this uh, society with capitalism and all these wonderful things. They can be very useful to you, but if you don't practice good habits now, you can get trapped. So just make sure you are very diligent. Make sure you are trained. And if you think you're going to have troubles with spending, don't get a credit card because they can be extremely trapping and then you're building bad habits over a long period of time. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. It was a real pleasure. If you have any more questions, like Kimberly said, feel free to reach out. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of Homemade Ops. The information shared on our show is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be advice. Reach out to a professional for your specific situation.